you guys are the hosts of the wonderfully named I Survived Theater School podcast, which is such a great idea and title. And you were gracious enough to have me on, but uh, but I didn't get to ask the questions I wanted to ask because, you know, you sly wenches, you got me for an hour talking about myself. <laughs> we're so good. We're so good. We're so good. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, now in its 16th year, number 791, Surviving Theater School. Gina Polici and Jen Bosworth Ramirez are the hosts of the I Survived Theater School podcast, which started as a pandemic project, but has become a fantastic ongoing conversation about the things we learned in theater school, the things we didn't learn, and how we've all managed to survive, some of us in the theater and some of us in other fields. I'll put a link to their conversation with me on this episode's show page, but I wanted you to hear from them about how the I Survived Theater School podcast came to be and what it has become. Gina really was into podcasts before I was, I would say. And and we have known each other forever, obviously, since 1993, uh, fall of 1993. And we talk and we both have our, our paths sort of um, crossed in theater school. And then we both left acting to become therapists. And then we both started writing again. And when we reconnected uh, as writers, past therapists, past actors, we decided that like we wanted to like talk about the journey to becoming a reimagined artist again. And, and Gina was like, let's do a podcast. And I was like, absolutely. And, um, really, I always say that Gina's the brains behind the operation. Cause somebody has got to be the beauty, right? No, well, that's right. I don't know where we're still looking to cast that person. <laughs> so. Not at all. Yeah. Boz brings the, um, what I call the snappiness factor. If it wasn't for her, there would be no snap in our podcast. So we're a good team. But it's not, um, it was interesting because I've now listened, I guessed it on one episode and listened to a couple more. It's not what I thought it was going to be, which is here's what I did in theater school. And here, here is how those tricks served me well in careers that have nothing to do with theater. But you do have some of that. And but it, so am I right in thinking that the some of the things that you learned in theater school have been helpful in your other careers? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And also we did do a lot of that literally talking about everything that people did in theater school in the beginning, but people have a lot of similar experiences. Like it, the curriculum is pretty much the same across conservatories. Um, you know, I, I mean, what we try to pull out now more is what, how people now are reflecting on the, not just theater school, but like being 21 and thinking that you were definitely going to be famous yeah. and 
where you are now and what's been your journey in the industry. Yeah, I, and, and also the things that I thought were important about theater school, i.e., I don't know, like getting to play this role, that role, and or learning voice and speech, those were important, but the real things, and I think that our guests can concur with this, the things that they took away that had lasting influence on their life were really about relationships and really about their relationship with themselves and really about sort of... Um, uh, a lot of like forgiveness for themselves and other people as they went through this experience when they were really young and even master's degree students were still young compared to, and, yeah. and like how they were able to survive basically, you know, this life. And did you guys talk mostly, or have you talked mostly with former actors or have you also talked to directors and, and playwrights and technicians and designers and it's been a mix. It's, I think we've, it's weighted more towards actors. When we first started, it was, we were just inviting people that we knew on. They were mostly all from yep, the acting program. Just like me. Yep. And we've had a bunch, uh, in the interim, we've had a bunch of uh, like stage managers and lighting people, but we'd love to have more. We'd love to represent more of the, the scope of theater yeah. school. And it, and it's really been interesting for me to have more uh, writers on, playwrights on from theater school programs, um, because uh, I think they have such a different, they have such a good uh, perspective on what it was like to actually watch actors go through what we went through. Mm. It's crazy. Like it's, I thought that we were all in this together and really the acting portion of a theater conservatory is super, super unique and also more treacherous in a lot of ways than what we've heard have been the experiences of the the other the other majors. It's really wild. It's been interesting now because I have kids who one is out of college and one is about to be out of college and go through similar journeys to me because I went to an undergrad program that was a classic liberal arts. And my daughter is also doing theater school, but but both kids are doing have so many interests. Like they 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 come out with so many interests and then it's hard to know well how do I how do I focus? And you know the good thing about a theater school and even conservatory program like 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 DePaul's is that you walk in, you go into the program even as a teenager going, "Right, this is what I'm going to do." And then that's challenging because you go a few years later you go, "Wait a second, this is not what I'm going to do and that's a different journey." Right. I think you're right. What, I'm not sure what you're saying about having a variety of interests, because my impression is that having a variety of interests is much more embraced now than it once was, you know, because like because everybody is basically expected to make their own art, yep. which means they have to know how to do all aspects. I mean, like us, we're in a two man operation, so two woman operation. So we have to we have to know how to write and direct and perform and, you know, and all of it. So what, what were you saying about I it? I guess my point is, um, um, uh, is that it, in theater school, at least, at least for the moment, you have this illusion perhaps that I know what I'm going to do with my life. Or if you're going to med school, if you know you're going to go to med school or you know you're going to go to business school or you know whatever, there's a, tr there's a track for that. In the arts, there isn't a single track for that. But also likewise, if you're just, I went to liberal arts school and I got a degree in English because I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I feel like it's all, mm, I feel like the age factor is a factor no matter what. So I'm not yeah. sure. I feel like that, 
this is the bigger question of college in general for a 17 year old. I was 17. It was like, I think I needed to, well, I don't know what I needed, but like the way our system set up, I might have like worked for a while and then gone to college. I just think since there's so much money involved yeah. in terms of, you know, loans and debt. And if you're not fortunate enough to have, have uh, uh, parents or whoever paying for your college that I'm just question it. However, I have to say, like, I did appreciate about the theater school that our, that I was uh, told what to do and when to do it very specifically with a very small group of people that I went through it with so that I was, I was not overwhelmed. I can tell you this. I may have been uh, weird and, like, uh, self-absorbed, but I didn't feel, like, overwhelmed within the school system because it was so prescribed, kind of like boot camp or the army, that, like... Uh, I think that was actually, I didn't have anxiety. You know what? I actually didn't have anxiety about that. I had more anxiety internally about my, you know, like self-worth stuff, but I kind of liked knowing I'm going to yoga this time. Then I go to this. It was like camp. It was like, camp. we did we did not pick our own classes. I mean, no. it's all picked for you. It was very stabilizing. I probably would have floundered otherwise. Do you know who your audience is and, and and for your podcast? And similarly, do you do you program your conversations for a specific audience? Well, our audience right now is people who went to theater school. Um, but you know, there's always outliers, and we do have some people who listen to the podcast who don't don't have anything to do with acting in any way. And what they really get out of it is the psychological spelunking that we're doing both of each other, of ourselves, and then with, with the guests. And actually, funny enough, a lot of people have said the thing, Boz, you say what everybody, what everybody says that was a surprise to us. The surprises of this podcast is that we did not set out to have it as a healing podcast, like a self-help podcast in any way, really. We just were really trying to tell the truth of our experiences and then get the guests on to tell their truth. And people have found it really healing and restorative and um, uh, like working through the trauma of being that young or whatever age and going through um, the experience of being in a conservatory that it's been healing for people, like really healing, like crying and, and reconnecting with oh, each other. Yes. And it's people that we went to school with what's healing for them is oh I thought so and so had it all together I thought that they never had any self-doubt and then I just listened to them talk for an hour and I realized they were they had more self-doubt than I did and a, and and it's caused a lot of people who for whatever reason had drifted apart to find each other and to talk about like oh I'm sorry I did this or you know people are making a lot of repairs to relationships which is really cool This is Matthew Croak of the By Your Side Autism Podcast, and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company Podcast. Where can you RSC the RSC? We are still the remote Shakespeare Company, unfortunately, because we've had to cancel our January and February performances. Those performances will be rescheduled, and so now our next performances are in Crossing Our Fingers, April of 2022. Check out the touring page at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, or our Twitter feed, at Reduced, for the latest information. 
Now back to my conversation with Gina Polici and Jen Bosworth Ramirez, the hosts of the I Survived Theater School podcast. We were talking about how one of the problems with BFA programs is that they only occasionally allow or require students to take classes outside their own very narrow area of study. I so wish that we had had, like, if I could have taken a playwriting class Mm. or a lighting class. I mean, I hear our guests talk about their experience that weren't actors. I'm like, I wish producing, box office, all of it. And I wish I had had that. I think it would have really helped me. I mean, we kind of did. That's what being on crew is. But it wasn't enough. I mean, it was only right. We just did one year of crew, I think, right? Or yeah, was it I think years? so. One or two, I can't remember. You know, so you so you got to serve on three crews. I did lighting, costumes, and I forget what the third one was. Um, it's not, you know, for one production, it's really not enough time to actually get to know, you know. But this is the thing about conservatories. Like, it's a lot to teach in four years. And, yeah. And, and we didn't take a lot of academic classes, but we had to take some academic classes too. And as it was, we started with yoga at 8 a.m. and we finished our rehearsal at 11 p.m. I mean, that was pretty much every day. So you you survived theater school and you went into different uh, fields of expertise. Did you, when you went into these fields, did you go, oh, thank goodness I went to theater school. I got all the skills I need. Or did you go, oh, wow, now I have to go to this to school to learn this or practice that? How did that, how did that transition work for you guys? Uh, I, I, it was, it was really like a logical next step. Like I, when I, I acted for a while and then realized that, um, and worked in LA and Hollywood and then realized that I was really fascinated by uh, the psychology of people at that moment more than I was fascinated with trying to get on to be famous on on television. And so I went back to school and it was so helpful to a lot of my training. I went to this like hippie dippy school and a lot of my training was like um, in terms of interpersonal dynamics and stuff, which is all that freaking acting is right. Right. Yeah. Active listening, um, responding with empathy. These are all, these are things that you use in both, uh, fields and also the person who's drawn I mean not not categorically but a person who's drawn to acting and a person who's drawn to psych- being a therapist is very interested in story and human behavior and it's a lot of crossover honestly it really is a lot of crossover I guess I guess if you're an actor who really wants to hold forth and talk all the time maybe being an active listener is not a great job for you <laughs> Or maybe it's something that would enhance, if you studied it, would enhance the crap out of your acting. You know what I mean? Like, I learned, so I can tell you that going back, so after I became a therapist for a while, um, I then went back to acting. And I'm telling you, I was a better actor. I was, it only helps. And also it just, you know, the compassion that I had for human, for human beings after I became a therapist translated into my acting and then writing in terms of um, not seeing any of my characters that either I write or I play as true, vil- true one way, true villains or true heroes. Like I, that doesn't exist for me anymore. And I think before I became a therapist, it did. I was like, oh, no, no, this character is good or this character is bad. You know, it's perfect then that your experiences of surviving theater school and your expertise as therapists has created now this thing 
that is, that is healing. And your podcast is in its way a form of therapy. Yeah. And one thing we've learned from talking to a lot of people is a lot of people who decide to become actors come to this stage with, with traumas, whether they're resolved or not. And Stop then, talking about me. Oh, sorry. Exactly. And then the work of being an actor is mucking around in some of those memories. The complaint that we always have had is, and then what? You know, they don't teach us what to do after. And, um, and actually, I think that's changing in schools, too. I think they pay a lot more attention to people's mental well-being than they did when we were in school. Yeah. Big time. They really, and I, I teach part-time now um, at, at conservatories, at two conservatories, and the, the change, they've had to make some much needed changes in how students' mental health is, is, is uh, handled, and, and it's, it, it was about time, I mean, because we didn't have the resources to uh, take care of ourselves, really. So podcasts are typically a one-way street. You broadcast and sometimes you get feedback and sometimes you don't. Are there ways that listeners can find you on social media or interact with you guys? Yes, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And it's all across the board, Undeniable Writers. Except Twitter, which is always so weird, even though nobody else has the Undeniable Writers handle. Ours is undeniable right without the E and then the number one. <laughs> That's just how it is. But yeah, and then we have a website, undeniablewriters.com, and then you can reach us there. Uh, there's a web, uh, an email portal there. But yeah, we're all over the web. Well, I applaud you both for, rather than being just actors, doing some actual good in the world. <laughs> uh, we hope so. You. On a good day. Thank you, yeah. thank you for having us. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, except for one more thing I'll share with you in about 60 seconds, so stick around. Check out the I Survived Theater School podcast wherever you listen, then send us your healing suggestions via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com, or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or on our own actual website, reducedshakespeare.com, or visit my website, theshakespeareance.com. Thanks, as always, to Guy who introduced me to Gina and Boz in the first place, Matthew Croak. Web services by Ginger Power Limited. Music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Amoeba Stampede. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to the always and forever aforementioned Matthew Croak, the host of his own healing program, the By Your Side Autism Podcast. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. Please stay safe, get vaccinated, and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 791 2373rds of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. Now that I'm here, I'm sure Austin won't mind if I tell you a quick little story myself. So there I was off the coast of California with a pair of binoculars, suntan lotion, and pliers. As it got dark... This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. 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 And so much less.